couple of weeks ago we began uh, kind of a series we're doing for our Christmas looking at uh, John 1, 1 through 18 for, for three consecutive weeks. And the first week when we began our study, I asked you to imagine living in a neighborhood where there were no street lights, where there was no ambient light from the city, where no one used any outdoor lights of any sort, and where nobody decorated for Christmas. Until one day, somebody moved into the neighborhood, and they put up this tree in their front window, and they decorated it with brightly colored lights. And then they went out in the front yard, and they hung brightly colored lights all over their front yard. And I asked the question, how would you react to that? How would you react if that was your neighborhood and somebody moved into it and started doing all of these things? Would you ignore them and hope, well, maybe they're going to go away and quit doing that? Uh, would you call the homeowners association and try to make them stop trying to drive them from the neighborhood? What would you do? And I suggested a couple of weeks ago that before you did anything, before you made a judgment one way or the other, that you might find out, well, who is this that's actually moved into the neighborhood and why is it that they're doing this? Well, who is this neighbor? Who is this new neighbor? And why are they putting up all their, these lights? What are they doing? John 1, which you're about to read, uh, referring to Jesus Christ, tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, one commentator we have, we have said says that the Word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. That Jesus is the light. Uh, he calls himself the light of the world. Even. Jesus is the light who has moved into our neighborhood. And what I suggested to us is that before you ignore, embrace, or reject Jesus Christ, then wouldn't it be wise to ask, well, who exactly is he? And what is it he's doing? Why is he moving into the neighborhood? And so we spent the last two weeks trying to answer those questions. Uh, who is Jesus Christ? We saw that he is fully God and fully man, that he's the second person of the Trinity, that he's a personal God, that he's existed from all eternity, and yet he has come and he's taken on flesh uh, and he's moved into our neighborhood. He's become a man in order to make God known. He's become a man in order that we might see God's glory. He's come to show us God's grace. He's come to make a way for human beings who are separated from God by their sin to be restored to a relationship with God, to be adopted into the very family of God. He came to save His people from their sins. And so we've seen who He is, and we've seen why He came, and what I want to ask us today is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Uh, it's perhaps the most significant question any of us will ever try to answer. What will you do with Jesus Christ? Will you receive Him? Will you try to ignore Him? Will you reject Him? And so we're going to think about that uh, as, uh, this morning together. But our reading again is from John chapter 1. I'll begin reading in verse 1. This is God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through Him. 
He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He, he who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Just pray with me. <clears throat> Father, we pray for your help now. Uh, I pray for your help as I uh, proclaim your word. I pray that you would give us all help to, to hear your word uh, and to believe it. And to put our faith in the word, the Son of God who became flesh. We pray in his name. Well, you can see from this text that there are a couple of different reactions that people had to Jesus Christ. And, and honestly, there really can only be two reactions. Uh, some rejected him and some received him. Look, look in verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made for him, yet the world did not know him. And the idea here is that even though Jesus is the one who had made the world now that he has come into the world, the, the, the world in general rejected him. They refused to acknowledge who he was. Verse 11 tells us that not only was it the world in general, but the Jewish people, even though Jesus was himself Jewish, and even though he proclaimed himself to be the Messiah that the Jewish people were waiting for, they rejected Jesus Christ as well. And what I would ask simply this morning is, what about you? What about you? Um, if, if you are someone who is trying to ignore Jesus Christ, just kind of keep him out of your life, that this noise will go away. Um, maybe you're someone who's been rejecting him to this point. I want to ask you just a few questions and ask if you would simply be willing to, to think about these things, to ponder who this Jesus Christ is. And several questions just for you to think about. Do you ever feel a need to connect to something outside of yourself? Something bigger than you, something spiritual even. What if that something spiritual wasn't playing hide and seek, hoping that maybe you would stumble upon it? But what if that something spiritual had actually made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ? What if what you've been looking for were actually right here in the scriptures, right under your nose? Uh, secondly, if you have chosen to reject Christianity, have you wrestled with the fact that, that even in your rejection of Christianity, you're making a faith commitment to another story? To another worldview. Have you really asked yourself whether this other worldview really makes sense of the world as we know it? Is it really coherent? Is it really consistent? Have you examined this other worldview as critically 
as you examine Christianity. Uh, thirdly, do you believe in right and wrong? Do you think there really are things that absolutely are right and absolutely are wrong? Why is that? Where does that come from? Do you believe life has a purpose? Why? Why, do, why does life have a purpose? Do you see how amazing it is that human life even exists? That if we were you know, just a little bit closer to the sun, we'd all burn up. If we were a little bit, as a planet, further away from the sun, that we would all freeze. Do you think that we're all just lucky? We're all just lucky to be here. What emotions do you feel when you see a spectacular sunset or sunrise? Do you ever find yourself just being thankful for the beauty of nature? Who are you thankful? Who are you thankful to? Uh, and then I'd say as well, just an encouragement to examine the scriptures. Uh, see who this Jesus Christ really is. See what they say about Jesus. See what he says. And then ask yourself, is this Jesus Christ really a crazy man? Is he, is he just looking to things? Because if he's not who he says he is, then he's not a good man or a good prophet, but he's really crazy. But the scriptures don't betray him that way. He doesn't come across that way at all. So I encourage you simply to, to read the scriptures. And lastly, I'd say this. There's this sort of American thing we've got going. Tim Keller says this, puts it this way. Uh, there's an American belief that the existence of God is a matter of indifference unless it intersects with my emotional needs. And then he asks, do you really want to bet your life that no God exists who would hold you accountable for your behavior if you don't feel the need for him? In other words, just because I don't feel the need for him, that must mean, well, he doesn't care either. But Jesus will say later in the Gospel of John that belief or disbelief is not just a matter of indifference. He writes, speaking of himself, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he does not believe in the name of the only Son of God. See, what we do with this Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, actually has consequences. Uh, the story is told of uh, a battleship that was in maneuvers. It was heavy weather, um, perhaps about what we're about to, to have, except out at sea, obviously. And as they're cruising along, they see a light in the distance. And the captain tells the guy on the radio to, to tell them, signal that ship, we're on a collision course. Tell them to change course 20 degrees. And so they signal the other ship and they get this reply back that says, you change course 20 degrees. And so the captain's getting kind of aggravated with this and he says, I'm a captain, change course 20 degrees. They get this message back. I'm a seaman, first class. You change course 20 degrees. And so they're getting closer and closer. And finally, the captain says, look, I'm a battleship. You really need to change course 20 degrees. And he gets the message back that says, I'm a lighthouse. I'm a lighthouse. Or do you really want to argue with the lighthouse? John is, is saying to us in so many words that Jesus Christ is the lighthouse. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, he will say to himself. 
he's the light that leads us to safety and to reject him, to continue to say, no, I can see the way I need direction, the way I need to go, has consequences. It's not just an indifferent choice. But John tells us that just as there were those who rejected the light, there were also those who received him. There were those who said, well, I do have a problem. I am a sinner. My, my sin does separate me from a holy God. And they received Jesus. They believed in his name, the text tells us. And to believe in his name is just another way of saying to believe in him. And the text tells us that when they did that, they became children of God. Unlike the theology of the street that would say that we're all just God's children and, and he just accepts all of us however we are. John says that you become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That there really is a barrier between us and God. That our sin really does separate us from a holy God. And yet Jesus Christ has come to bridge that gap. Jesus Christ has come to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin, for my rebellion, so that that gap between me and God can be closed. So that the relationship between me and God can be restored. When I trust in Jesus Christ and what He has done on the cross, when I trust in His work on the cross to be the payment for my sins, at that moment my sin is forgiven. God's wrath is turned away from me. The debt is canceled. I receive the Holy Spirit. I have right standing with God. I'm assured of eternal life. I have a, a, a personal relationship with God. I'm brought into the family of God and have a right to all the privileges son or daughter of the king. And how does that happen again? By receiving him. By believing in him. Through faith and repentance. By receiving him as my savior and my lord and my king. Acknowledging that he has a right to govern my life and, and accepting him as my savior. Now I'll give you two illustrations. One of what that doesn't mean and one of what that does mean, uh, some of you are going to watch, or maybe you're watching all of the old Christmas specials that come on the ABC Family Channel, like the 25 Days of Christmas. And <clears throat> one of the older ones that is shown uh, is the Little Drummer Boy. Does anybody remember the Little Drummer Boy? We've got a few people uh, see each other. Some of the kids have seen it. But the Little Drummer Boy, it's one of those late 60s kind of claymation, whatever, whatever that material was they made it with. Um, and, and, and it's probably the worst one, but um, for, for illustration purposes. Toward the end of the little drummer boy, um, everybody's gathering around the manger to see the baby Jesus. And the little drummer boy is on his way, and there's this huge crowd, and he's got this little lamb with some goofy name, I can't remember. And the, and the, and the little lamb, there's a mad chariot driver that comes from out of nowhere and runs over the little lamb. Um, and I, I don't know why. And so the, the, the little drummer boy is obviously heartbroken. And he wants somebody to fix the lamb. And so he knows there are wise kings near. And he goes to talk to one of the wise kings. And they say, well, I, I can't really do anything for you. But you should go and see this baby that's been born. Maybe he can do something for you. And so the, the little boy goes to the baby Jesus for help. And he doesn't have a gift to bring him or anything like that. And so he goes and he stands and he simply starts playing his drum for Jesus. And as he plays the song, 
something happens and somebody walks in with the baby lamb who's been miraculously healed because the little drummer boy played his drum for Jesus. And here's what the wise king says. Your gift, drummer boy, given out of a simple desperation of a pure love is the one favored above all. In other words, Jesus liked what you brought him and so he made your little baby lamb better. And, and the message in that is kind of if you want God to do something for you, you've got to take the initiative. You've got to do your best, meet God halfway, and then hope that God's going to do the rest. And I think that's the way many of us think about a relationship with God. I've just got to do the best that I can. I, I've got to obey Him as best I can. I've got to kind of meet Him halfway, and hopefully God's going to honor that, and then He's going to make everything okay between. But at the end of the day, it really depends on my initiative and what I bring to God. And that's not faith in Jesus Christ. That's not receiving Him. That's not resting upon what He has done. Uh, whenever we try to, to add our drumming, our good works, our church going, our morality, our whatever, that's not faith in Jesus Christ. That's not receiving and resting upon Him alone for salvation. That's really resting on what we do and what we contribute. Well, what does it look like then? What does real receiving Jesus look like? Uh, the illustration I use sometimes is if someone's trying to climb a mountain, if God's at the top of the mountain and you're trying to get to God, then faith is not trying to climb the mountain, but it's uh, ceasing from trying to climb the mountain and allowing Jesus to carry you up in His arms. Or, um, it's more like this. Some of you have maybe seen online what I think is the best uh, commercial so far of the Christmas season. It's a commercial for WestJet Airlines. Has anybody seen this? You're on the wall. WestJet Airlines, this is, a, this is a true story. It's not something they made up. Uh, there were people, and I can't remember they were, where they were flying to, but as they went to the terminal, there's a computer screen there. You walk up to the computer screen and you put your boarding pass in, and it recognizes you. It says, oh, hey, Mr. Kendrick, da 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 we're glad you're traveling with us. And then it says, what would you like for Christmas? And they ask everybody that came to the terminal, what would you like, and it's the Santa Claus on, on the, in the screen, what would you like for Christmas? And you got answers for everything from I want socks and underwear um, to I'd like an Android tablet to one family said I'd like a giant screen television. And so they, they get on the plane and you know they you think, well that's cute, they ask for Christmas. Well while they're on the plane, the employees at the destination where they were flying to, the employees of WestJet Airlines went and they bought everything that those people had asked for for Christmas. And then they brought it back to the airport and they wrapped it, put bows on it, the whole nine yards. And they, they had it where it would come out at baggage pickup. And so the people get off the plane and they go to the baggage claim area and they're expecting their luggage and it's all decorated for Christmas. And the belts start and the Christmas music starts and everybody's like, what is going on? And then instead of their luggage, all of these gifts come down the conveyor belts, wrapped with their names on them. And everybody's kind of freaking out. And they go and they open them. And whatever they ask for is what they got. All the way down to the people who asked for the giant television. They got a 55-inch plasma television. 
from the airlines. Which so the lesson of this is if they ask you, don't ask your socks. By the way. <laughs> um, but that, that tell them what you really want. The lesson in this is this: the airline had purchased these gifts and given it to them. They had given them exactly what they wanted for free. People didn't pay for these gifts. They didn't do anything to earn these gifts. Uh, they didn't. They didn't go get the gifts. They, they had nothing to do. It was completely grace on the part of the airline. All the people had to do was receive the gift. To take the gift and open it. To receive the gift that had been given to them. The message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ has done everything that needs to be done to secure your salvation. He became a flesh. He became a flesh. He became a man. He took on human flesh so that he could live a life of perfect obedience to the Father. So that he could die for our sins on the cross in our place. He purchased the gift. He paid for our salvation. And he offers it to us as a gift. And all we have to do is simply to receive it from him. We don't work for it. We don't labor for it. We don't try to have to play our drums for it. We simply accept the gift he gives us. Receiving him as our Savior King. He just paid the spiritual debt that we owe. And he says simply to us, Put your faith in me. Receive the gift. And you too will be a child of the King. I haven't watched um, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, a little better known than the Drummer Boy, um, this year yet. You know, I was reading about this, and interestingly enough, years ago, the network didn't want to put it on because they thought it was too religious. Uh, it's been on for, for a long time now. But if you remember this, Charlie Brown is the director of the Christmas play, and as usual, Charlie Brown can't do anything right. He's messing everything up. And so finally they say, look, you just go pick out the Christmas tree for the play. Certainly you can get that right. And so they send Charlie Brown off to, to pick out the Christmas tree for the set. And they get to the Christmas tree lot, and it's all these aluminum Christmas trees, which, did they really used to sell aluminum Christmas trees? I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, there are all these kind of fancy-looking Christmas trees, and right in the middle of them, there's this one live scraggly, scrawny Christmas tree. And of course, that's the one that Charlie Brown gets. And he brings it back uh, to the auditorium. But whenever, And he tries to love on it, and he's all excited about it. But when everybody sees it, they just start laughing at Charlie Brown and laughing at the tree because the tree doesn't measure up. It's not tall enough. It's not thick enough. It's not bright enough. It's not shiny enough. And Lucy says to him, you were supposed to get a good tree. Can't you even tell a good tree from a poor tree? You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. And you remember what happens next in the story? It's at this point uh, that Charlie Brown says, I don't even understand what Christmas is all about. And Linus comes out and he reads the Christmas story about our need for a Savior and how a Savior has come to mankind in Jesus Christ. And when Charlie Brown hears that story, he decides, you know what, I'm going to love this disgraced Christmas tree anyway. And so he goes and begins to decorate it. And all the other Peanuts gang gathers around him and decorate this Christmas tree 
as well. And this tree, it's like it's being robed in a righteousness not its own. This really was not a very attractive tree. But they made it an attractive tree. They decorated and put streamers on it and all of that stuff till it's completely changed. And even Lucy has to concede Charlie Brown is a blockhead, but he did get a nice tree. See, what Charlie Brown does for that tree, that's what God loves to do. God loves to do stuff like that. He delights to find scraggly trees like you and me. You have nothing to offer. And he stoops down and he picks us up and he decorates us. He brings them to life. He gives them faith. He dresses us in the robes of Jesus' righteousness. And he brings us home. And he makes us a part of his family. The reality is, is that God calls you to receive his son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior. And if you receive Jesus as your Savior, he gives you the right then to become a child of the King, a child of God. But if you do receive him, one day it's going to dawn on you that it was God that set the whole thing in motion to start with. That it was God who was gracious to you. Look, look at verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then you can see that God saved you from beginning to end. God started the whole thing when He picked you up out of the corner of the Christmas tree lot. You were that strong tree that nobody wanted. And He has clothed you in the righteous robes of His Son, Jesus Christ. And he celebrates you and He's adopted you and made you a part of His family. And that's a reason to rejoice this Christmas. We pray for us. Father, we thank You for the grace of the Gospel. Uh, that you are at work taking things that are not beautiful at all and making them beautiful. Uh, that you have given us the gift of salvation in your Son, and, and we don't have to work for that. We don't have to impress you. We don't have to be good. We don't have to be good boys and girls to get this gift. But we get this gift by acknowledging that we haven't been good boys and girls. We receive it simply by trusting. Father, help us to see that gift. If we haven't received it already, to receive it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.